The family, as God designed it, is under constant attack in our culture today. What is the church doing to equip and strengthen families? Stick around, and we'll talk about that with our special guest today on Here at Home. Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. My name is Mark Bricker, and if this is your first time joining us, welcome. And if you're enjoying the Here at Home podcast, I would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. That way, you'll get each new episode we create delivered right to your podcast player. So join me in welcoming our guest for today's podcast, Chad Moore. So glad to have you on the show today, Chad. Thanks, Mark. It's good to be here. I know. It's, it's been a, a long time coming, but I'm glad we finally got you here. Now, this is not your first podcast uh, because you're on the preaching team here at McGregor. You've had a chance to do the Beyond the Notes podcast. Yeah, that one's a little more lonely, though. It is. Yeah, it's just you and, uh, and the camera, but uh, it's two of us today, and we have a chance to, to do a little talking. So I thought it would be great to get started so our listeners can maybe get to know Chad a little bit better. So let's start with some of the basics. Tell us a little bit about your family first. Uh, yeah, my wife and I have been married for 14 years. Wow. And uh, we have two little girls. Uh, oldest is six. Her name is Eva. And our youngest is three. Her name is Elena. And uh, they are nonstop activity and giggling and whatever. It's Chad else. and a bunch of girls. It's, yep. We've got a, a female dog at home as well. I am completely surrounded. <laughs> That's yes. awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, where were you born and raised? Uh, born and raised in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we lived in Ohio for a brief time when I was a baby, um, where my brother was actually born. But uh, then we moved back to Orlando uh, not long after that. And so lived in Orlando for basically the first 26 years of my life. So very much a Floridian. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Tell us some things, maybe two or three things that would help our listeners know who you are a little bit better. Tell us some things about you that maybe might give a little insight into three things. Yeah. Um, I guess one is, you know, I've always been in the sports. Uh, you know, I follow usually most major sports leagues and played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, soccer being the one that I played for the longest. Is that um, your favorite? It is, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it might be the one that my stature most directs me towards as well. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, play some baseball, basketball, soccer. I like the continual nature of soccer. The the sports that start and stop are the ones that got a little boring to me. Yeah. Um, and so, kind of settled in on soccer and um, been playing, um, doing, uh, did that for a long time. Uh, um, Got out of shape for a little while after high school, and I uh, was looking to get back into, uh, you know, back into shape and, and be healthy. And actually, ended up running two marathons um, when we mm-hmm. lived in South Carolina. And so, uh, one down in the uh, Kiowa, uh, down on the coast, and the other one in Columbia through all the hills and all that. Um, That's interesting because a lot of people will get that one marathon in, and like I've done one, but you did two. So I did two. Yes, yeah, so not a fluke. Don't know why I did two. I guess the you know the first one uh, I wanted to do one better than the first one, I guess. And yeah. then, um, but you're done now, right? Yeah. I am. I haven't done that. I haven't done, man, I don't even, I think that might've been before we had, before we had Eva. If not, it was when she was really little. I haven't done any long distance running and yeah. stuff since we've had two little ones. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's two. Um, third one, I guess would be the, uh, the fact that, uh, I like the idea of reading more than the actual reading itself. Um, you know, I'm a, uh, a lifelong learner. I love learning new things, love trying to solve new puzzles and, and figure things out. But, um, 
the sitting down and being still long enough to read a whole book <laughs> to actually read a whole book is one that's just not, um, you know, it doesn't come natural to me. And so I got to force myself to read it. Once I get, get going, you know, I usually enjoy it, but, uh, much more of a, you know, a, a podcaster type person like this, like this. Yeah. I, 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 I can relate to that because there are a lot of books that I have bought and I have started, mm-hmm. but I don't always finish them. But. Yeah, Larray just teased me today about some of the stacks of books that I have in my office. That uh, um, she said, "When's the last time those moved?" Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, those are those are resource books. Yeah, you know, you never know when you might need that. To yes. and stuff. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, you know, I think I think the important part is learning as yeah. you go through. And you you would definitely <laughs> consider yourself a lifelong learner. I hope to be. I, yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, this is this is something I've just recently started, and I didn't even tell you about this, but it's I call it the speed round. And you're familiar uh-huh. with this because you've done these kind of questions with students. I think I probably even got the idea from you years ago uh, from this. I'm just going to ask you a couple either or questions, and you just quick first thing that pops in your mind. Okay. I might follow up with a little. It's dangerous. Yeah, it is. Uh, cats <laughs> or dogs? Dogs. Beach or mountain? Mm, mountain. Exercise or nap? Exercise. Texting or talking? Texting. Uh, if you had a superhero power, invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. This tells a lot about you. Mm, how I'm you sure someone psych- has a psych chart going oh, yeah. on right now. Yeah. Well, I'll give you the score later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. I knew that one. Mm-hmm. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Neither. Neither. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, both uh, Chad and I enjoy enjoy coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good coffee, preferably, right? Oh, absolutely. Tell us how you came to know Christ. Oh, I was in uh, I was middle school age. I believe I was a um, I think I was eleven at the time. Um, but yeah, we were at a you know used to do Sunday night worship services back in mm-hmm. the day, and I was uh, at a Sunday night service. Um, you know, heard, heard the gospel before that, but you know, sitting in one of those evening services, listening to the um, the pastor lay it all out. You know, um, I felt God, you know, uh, move, and uh, you know, came to um, you know that moment that all of us believers get to at some point where where it all clicks as God's moving in our lives and our hearts of you know realizing you're a sinner and just how broken you are you know without mm-hmm. him and um, I told my mom hey I want to I want to go forward at the end I uh, went forward you know pray with a, a counselor to receive Christ and um, you know I think it's, it's a journey for everybody that's that's what I um, look back towards um, and yet uh, you know, I think if we're all honest, there's a there were a number of times after that moment in our lives where we're like, please God, if it wasn't real then, please mm-hmm. let it be real now. You mm-hmm. know, and, and helping students through you know through that process is, is something that's always difficult. And so you know, accepting Christ uh, young like that, there was definitely a, a, a growth you? journey. I believe I was 11. I know well, I was okay. in middle school, but right. um, I think I was 11 at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk. You know, obviously, I'm sure there were a lot of uh, sanctifying moments along the way as you grew in your in your faith, but uh, talk about your call to to full time vocational ministry, and, and you know where were you when you know what age and kind of the context for that. Um, yeah, I was a. Uh it was a sophomore summer, like summer um, after my sophomore year, or is there, or before my sophomore year, uh, we went on a mission trip to Montreal uh, with World Changers, and um, you know, up until that point, I didn't really 
have any idea on what I was going to do, you know, vocationally. Um, didn't, didn't have, uh, you know, had different thoughts on this and that, but nothing that really had, had really set in with me. And, uh, there was one of the nights at our, um, world changers week where they talked about whether or not we would see ourselves possibly in vocational ministry or, uh, in missions mm-hmm. you know, or, or something like that. And, uh, uh it got me thinking a friend of mine has, um, uh, got, to thinking about that, that that night as well and uh, kind of sent me down that journey of, of trying to consider that because I don't have anyone in my family that was, you know, in the pastorate or, you know, worked in church and stuff. And so that was that was a, a, a different world. Kind of than, a new concept. Yeah, <laughs> the, you know, than what I'd seen. And so, um, you know, the way that my pastor at the time laid it out, he basically, um, basically said uh, a calling to ministry looks kind of like if you can't see yourself doing anything else, and being satisfied in life, then you're called to ministry. Mm. And that's that's kind of where I started to hone in on, you know, is there anything else? And and there wasn't. And so, you know, I went to, to UCF with the expectation of graduating from there and going to seminary and, and getting a degree and, and, and working in ministry. And, you know, a lot of things happened in between. <laughs> but uh, but that's where it started was in high school. That's pretty neat. And b- between your sophomore and junior year? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, we went to we went to Canada twice. I believe yeah. the first time was in between freshman and sophomore year, and then we went back the next year. The reason well. I the reason I asked that is because for myself, I was at a was a some kind of it was a it was a Christian music camp. I was very much okay. into music, and I was at this camp that summer between my sophomore and junior year, and that I too felt beginning the first time like yeah, this is something I feel that God may be leading me to do. My dad was a pastor, and so I kind of like didn't want to go into ministry because I was a preacher's kid. Yeah, uh, that was like the last thing I wanted to do. But so it's to start to feel that at that age, and there were times when even later on in college where I kind of like I don't know if that's really what I want to do. But uh, God, gotcha. God continued to hone in on that for me as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, we had that very similar yeah. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So speaking of calling, let's talk a little, because obviously you have had, first of all, uh, how many years of full-time ministry now do you have under your belt? Uh, I started in the fall of 2008. And so what's that math? 13? 13. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 13 years. will be 13. Um, and then the call to come here to McGregor, what was the, what was the, the time frame? let our, let our, Listeners know kind of how long you've been here and uh-huh. kind of when you started here, and we'll talk specifically about that that transition too. Uh, yeah, it was what uh, came here in, in the fall of 2017, if I have the years right. The d- going back in years is one that I always have to bounce off my wife. She's much better with the long term timing memory. Than, you know what I tie it with? I, I tie it too. Yeah, Irma. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's no doubt it was Irma. The question is, because what year was Irma? What year in my was mind? Irma? Um, yeah. You could just say I came to here. Irma. Irma. Yeah, but Irma. Uh, but yeah, we actually had to push back one of my trips down here to, to visit. I can't remember if it was the first or the second one mm-hmm. um, because yep. of Irma. And you know, uh, I remember the first time we came down here. Um, everything was fine. Uh, I remember watching the storm um, on my iPad. Um, while we were in South Carolina, wondering will there still still be a McGregor mm. <laughs> after after this week to even go to if that works out that way, um, and then the second time we came down was I mean there were disaster sure, yeah. relief people living on campus and you know um, nobody knew where the life group was going to be and you know it was uh, it was what a couple weeks afterwards yeah the hotel you were staying in was like a staging. 
parking lot for like power uh-huh. workers or something or yeah were, it was yeah yeah there was a bunch of uh, power trucks power trucks yep. that's what it was mm-hmm. i remember yeah <laughs> trying to get the power turned back on for everybody yeah um, and so yeah that'll be always be an easy thing to remember of it being right around the the hurricane right hurricane, there yeah mm-hmm. so it was i i you know and this is all kind of part of that that coming to mcgregor for you but you know you had been down here had the visit before like you said mm-hmm. had a chance to see the campus see the community the whole thing and as we go through that process, even with Irma, we continued to move forward and ultimately extended a call and you guys accepted and you came. But now you come to a different McGregor mm-hmm. because, it, you know, just physically it's quite different because prior to Irma, we had a student building. Post mm-hmm. Irma, we didn't. Yep. <laughs> and there was just, there was like, you know, I, I thought of, of all the things that could happen to, to create problems or obstacles for somebody you want to set someone up when they're first coming in to succeed right that's the goal you want them (laughs) to be get off on a good foot and we're like uh glad you're here but sorry you've got nothing to work with (laughs) your office is blocked off due to contamination and mold uh um yeah if uh you know i think we've joked around about it looking back of um if i knew that was going to be the only time that i saw parts of the campus then I would have taken pictures <laughs> as we walked through. Yeah, really. You know, the only time seeing the Grace Building pre-Irma. Um, I remember us walking through some of the uh, the preschool area, and uh, at the time not even knowing which you know back door you had brought us through, but we never saw that whole area again. Ever again, yeah. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was unique. It was unique. I think that's one of the neat things, though, about you and your ministry here as is that in the midst of the all the the difficulties, the obstacles, the lack of, you know, resources, you're like, all right, we can, we can make this work. And somehow you did and meeting and, you know, buildings and rooms where other adults are, that's not conducive for students, but you pulled it out. How long was it before you got back into the student building? Oh, we started back in the Grace Building in January of 2019. Wow. And so got started started here in October 2017. And so um, was that 14, 15 yeah. months? Yeah, a long time. Yeah. We're... All right. Well, we started this podcast uh, mentioning that uh, the family is under attack. So I guess we better mm-hmm. talk a little bit about, uh, about families because your role changed to the beginning of this year of 2021. And it was... 2021 was really a transition year for that, that it wasn't all of a sudden just boom, January 1, you, you know, everything looks different. But uh, let's talk a little bit about your new title, because when you came, it was minister to students. Now it's minister to students and families, mm-hmm. right? Is that the correct, did I get it right? Family ministries. Oh, and family ministries. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you got ministry and minister and ministries in there. Um, so, well, I mean, uh, you know, pays based on the letter, you know, the so. more letters, the more, <laughs> there, there you go. All right. Squeeze as many in there. Can you get it on a business card? <laughs> we fold, you can fold it. You yeah. fold it. Yeah. There you go. So that new role took shape, uh, starting to, you know, begin to develop even in 2020, obviously, as we began talking about that and you and I had many conversations about that possibility of, uh, giving you more, uh, responsibility and specifically as it relates to the entire family ministry. So let me, let me start with define for our listeners, when we say family ministries, what do we mean? Yeah. Um, 
for one, on campus, it encompasses from pretty much birth through college. And so uh, I oversee the preschool and children's ministries and then uh, directly or more directly oversee the uh, middle school, high school and college age levels. Um, and so uh, trying to um, bring all those uh, you know, under the same umbrella, under um, a similar uh, approach to ministry, not that we were widely ranging to begin with, but, but hopefully in a way that's more unified so that we can better partner with parents. Right. Um, because the goal is to uh, to help parents disciple in their home first and foremost, and then uh, and better partner with them when we're on campus as well. Um, and so, not not just provide um, successful, well-run you know ministries w- here on Sundays and Wednesdays, and when we have events and different things, but hopefully more of an all-encompassing um, approach to to discipleship and, and helping parents raise up disciple makers. I'll, I'll uh, give you a chance to really talk about the vision for that ministry in just a minute, but let's back up because. As I mentioned earlier, when I made the statement, the family is under attack. Mm-hmm. I don't think we realize sometimes because it's that that slow boil kind of a thing where mm-hmm. it's gradual. But when we begin to realize the the family as as God designed the family to be is, you know, that is becoming less and less the norm. And as I would say, I really think our culture is taking shots at dismantling what the biblical family is supposed to look like. And so as an opportunity for our church to have a person that is said, okay, I have not only a passion, but I also believe I can bring some strategy, some vision, some strategy, some implementation to help come alongside and strengthen all of our ministries to families as well as families themselves. And so with that in mind, what are some of, you know, why is this an important ministry to have? Do you see, you know, the family being under attack? Yeah, I think the family is absolutely under attack. I think uh, just our um, each individual family, you know, is under attack by the lies of the culture and the, um, you know, everything that's uh, that all the spiritual warfare and everything that's going on around around all of us. But the, even just the very family framework is under attack by culture. You know, you have a number of organizations and the number is only growing of those who are um, not only saying that there's another way to do family, but that the traditional family is actually a bad way of doing family, right? It's it's so anti-family even. I mean, that's how far we've come um, as a a society right now. And it's very unfortunate. It's very um, much a a negative um, impact on every family because of it. and so, so yeah, absolutely. That you know, the family is under attack, and hopefully, we yeah. as a church can can help strengthen um, the families that we have the opportunity to to impact and influence. I think of you know parents like yourself with with preschoolers and uh-huh. grade school, and what they're going to encounter just in the school systems, uh-huh. uh, in the culture, and moms and dads maybe not feeling adequately prepared to prepare their children for that, even if they wanted to. And a lot of them, I don't know if they're even thinking about that, but mm-hmm. if they were thinking about that feeling, where do I start? How do I, how do, I do that? And I think that kind of plays into this, this vision for family ministry. So share a little bit about your, your vision of what family ministry could possibly look like here at McGregor. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've had a lot of God honoring, you know, well-meaning uh, families throughout the history of the church, you know, um, and I think as um, 
you go through different portions of history. I think the churches look different, um, and I think part of what we've seen in America is a is a church that looks much more like a business, you know, more like a you know w- with some expertise in different areas, and um, uh, and that some of the just our natural ways that we go through life and and society have overflown into or over, have have been kind of brought into the church in a way. And, you know, recently in one of the, the messages that I, um, that I preached on Sunday morning, I talked about that concept of, um, you know, when I was a, a kid playing soccer and I wanted to play soccer and my, you know, my parents said, okay, well, you know, we want you to learn to, to do this, something you, you enjoy. That's, that's great. Let's, let's go find a team for you. Let's find a, a coach expert type person to, to train you up in it. And we'll, you know, we'll bring you and, and, and you can mm-hmm. go learn it. You know, um, they weren't against it, you know, they were supportive of it, you know, um, they even tried to learn some of it themselves to to be a part of that aspect of my life, um, but it um, but that's not what should be the vision for discipleship within our families. It should not be we bring our our, our children to a place where the experts do hmm. the right. job of discipleship. Yeah. You know, we're not given a biblical mandate to teach sports to our kids, but we are given a biblical um, directive to impart and train up our children in the way they should go in their faith. And so, um, you know, uh, I don't think it's parents all the time wanting to hand over parenting. Um, I think a lot of parents honestly just look at it and say, I don't know what to do. Hmm. I don't know how to disciple my kid. Here's a church. Here's someone who's, you know, who's been to seminary, who, you know, who works with students. I can't do what they can do, at least in their minds. I can't do what they can do. So I'm going to bring my kid to be discipled here. Hmm. Um, and hopefully I can support what they're doing. And yet, on the other hand, you know, anyone who's done student ministry for a long time kind of looks at it the opposite way a little bit and says, well, I've only got these kids for two hours a, a week yeah. at most, um, I can't do what the parents can do in terms of discipling because a parent is discipling their kid nonstop, either positively One or negatively. One way or the other, right? right? Yeah. And so um, there's only so much that we can do as a ministry to unfortunately counteract some of a, a potentially negative influence from the home. Um, or to support that influence. There's only so much we can do. And so the, hopefully what we can accomplish through the family ministry is be able to bring those two worlds together. Mm-hmm. And um, our desire is to cast a vision for families for what family discipleship is. How can I disciple my kids and, uh, and present it in a way that is, uh, is clear enough that you know, week in, week out, we kind of have a framework to work off of, uh, one that enables us to grow within that framework and not have to leave it behind and, and, and move on to something else, and yet is also um, easy enough to start doing if you've never done it before. Right. And so that's that's a lot of our goal as a family ministry, and and for our ministries to partner with parents through that, hopefully present this clear vision of what it looks like in the home, um, clarify some of that for how that impacts the way we do ministry here at church, and just as much as we can possibly do it, bring those two worlds together um, for the betterment of, of all of our kids. That's that partnership that mm-hmm. uh, I know you talk about, and I think we've talked about that a lot in the past even, but it's never had that intentionality of, mm-hmm. okay, what does that really look like right. when when both 
mom and dad and the church are partnering together for that uh, discipleship of their of those children. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of you know, churches that take that as just well we'll just do a couple of events. You mm-hmm. know, we'll toss it here, we'll toss it there and stuff or we'll you know, we'll say some things and you know, have a couple of phrases everyone, you know, is, is aware of, but uh, um, but I think a lot of times parents are are, are left going, "Okay, well, but now what?" <laughs> yeah. The the framework you were talking about earlier is that the all the ALL is that yeah you know um, we've been working off of uh, in the student ministry that we're gonna you know bring into the family ministry world uh, not a, a a vision for discipleship or for uh, you know for life that's we, we've put on top of the Bible but just the Bible mission that we're all presented with that right. we're supposed to um, be raising up our, our kids into disciple makers right yeah. the, bringing God glory the best nothing we can new do. here so. yeah <laughs> no, and so um, but the way that we take that and we try to package it to make it understandable to make it um, tangible for people is to say we want to train up our students in doing what all disciple makers do that we see three characteristics at play in the life of everyone who's actually living this out and we use the acronym all for that they apply the word they love one another and they live sent Mm. and so that we see as the um, the global mission when you combine church and home for what we're hopefully trying to accomplish with our kids. Obviously, we want them to know how to how to eat and set a table and clean their room and you know do good job on their math test and all that. You know, there's other things that were you know that that happen. But in terms of the ultimate purpose in discipling our our kids and their faith, it is trying to help them do what all disciple makers do. Yeah, and I, you're, you're dealing with varying degrees of of parents, and I know you know you've got some that have been doing this amazingly for for years with their kids and others that are still trying to figure out, you know, where to start. And so Mm -hmm. I think by giving some kind of framework that, you know, for for different parents that can help them in that process of what does it mean to be a disciple, being the primary discipler of of my my son or daughter or however many kids they they have. What what are some of the things that will look differently in 2021 here at McGregor and maybe maybe not even until 2022, but what are some of the things that that our family ministry team is working on uh, for the future? Yeah, we've been working on, um, you know, part of that equipping mindset of trying to Think through all of our environments, the thing you know, the things we do. Of how do we, um, how is this going to not only make an impact in the the kids' lives right then and there, and hopefully you know lasting impact, but also how can we strengthen the family through this? How can we bring parents alongside us? It's a, it doesn't look like you know every time we meet, parents are there, right? Um, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't mean that every parent is serving in one of those ministries right beside their their uh, their kid. I mean, it, I mean, just the physics don't work behind that right. for, for larger families, right? Um, but uh, but trying to come alongside parents more closely than we have before. And so, um, what, you know, one of the things we've been talking about is, um, you know, we live in a uh, in a time in which most of us rely on alerts on our phones mm-hmm. to pop up when we need them to help us whether it be for a reminder or there's a, um, you know, a little blip comes up about something that just happened in the news, you know, um, we, we live a kind of in that, in that alert mindset and, uh, and just way of going through with our digital age. Um, and so we want to try to, come alongside parents and, and provide them with tools in the moment 
if um, yeah. and, and we think that can be a, a next step. We, we can send emails out. Hopefully, some somebody reads the emails. Yeah. Uh, we try that just gets depressing. We start thinking about who is actually reading all of our emails. But um, but you know, sending a text to a parent while they're driving home from church on a Sunday or a Wednesday with hey, here's a few questions you can ask your kid in the car right now mm, to be wow. able to talk with them about what they just learned yeah. and uh, and be able to continue that conversation. You know, sending out um, uh, even. To, making the lessons available to parents beforehand. You know, how great would it be if when a student showed up on a Sunday morning, that's not the first time they're actually talking through that passage mm -hmm. because they talked through it with their parents before they got there, yeah. you know, either the night before or sometime during that week that, um, that it's, we're actually reinforcing what the family's already been doing that week. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's so many different ways to go through doing those types of things, but that's hopefully the direction that, that we're able to make some progress in. Yeah. That sounds great because that is, that really does make that a partnership at that point where mm -hmm. mom and dad are talking about the lesson prior to them coming into the class where someone else talks about the lesson and they get to talk about it on the way home or later mm -hmm. that, that day. Yeah. So a lot of reinforcing um, the biblical yeah. truths. And I mean, we know families are busy. You know, my family's busy. Every, mm -hmm. you know, every family's busy. And so it is a, you know, it's a balance and, um, and, you know, part of discipleship is strategic and planned. And part of discipleship is just taking advantage of the moments you have available yeah. to you. Um, and so um, hopefully we can equip parents to do both of those things. Yeah. Well, I see you have a lot of uh, great ideas. Tell, um, I mentioned family ministry team a few times. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about who that is that's a part of your family ministry team. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people um, involved, for both paid staff and you know and, and volunteers. Um, you know, uh, Candace Furiosi leading the the preschool team, and she has a number of uh, of individuals that are are helping her out with um, and and making a huge impact in the lives of the preschoolers and their parents. Um, Rita Massey with the uh, children's ministry, and mm -hmm. um, and then we bring in on uh, Kirk Swope recently to uh, to be involved in our student ministry and and have an emphasis within the middle school world um, especially. Right. Um, so, you know, as our um, ministries grow, it's it, it's great to have more more people involved in the team yeah. making it happen. Absolutely. And uh, you know, the the job's huge. And it's never ending. Yeah. <laughs> it continues every week. There's a Sunday every week. There's a Wednesday, and every week families are going through difficult times, you know, within yeah. their homes. Yeah. So, uh, so it's a it's a great team that you know that God has um, brought together here, and look forward to, to seeing all that uh, He'll do through us. It is a great team, and to make sure this podcast is never ending, we probably better bring this thing to a close. <laughs> uh, I want to say thank you, Chad, for for being here and the amazing job that you have done with our student ministry. I see you representing with your MSM uh, shirt on there today, but you really have uh, done a, just an amazing job at, at building and equipping, discipling, leading that ministry. And we're blessed to have you on staff here. And I think that's, it gets me excited for our family ministry to continue in that same vein of uh, being very strategic and especially in those partnerships with, uh, with parents. So yeah. I can't wait. And, and, uh, and if, and if parents have, uh, you know, any kind of question, if they're listening uh, about the new family ministry to feel free to give you a call or email or text. And I know you'd be more than happy to, to talk with them about that. And I know you'll be doing that in the days to come more yeah. with, with parents having that opportunity to talk specifically about what this will yeah. look like. Absolutely. There's a lot of things headed their way and, you know, for grandparents as well, you know, that, yes. can, that can take advantage of some Absolutely. of the things that we're hopefully going to be able to, to provide, be it the structure or the actual tools themselves um, to be able to hopefully, you know, raise up mm -hmm. a, a generation of disciple makers. Yeah. 
Awesome. That wraps up another episode of Here at Home. And thank you, Chad, for joining us and being a part of our Here at Home podcast community. Thank you, listeners, also for being part of our Here at Home podcast community as well. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please take a moment to do that. And while you're subscribing, if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to check out some of our other podcast channels we have here at McGregor. You can head over to our hereathomepodcast.com website for all the details. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks back here at home.